my goodness, that was great. Man, I, I can't even imagine a better rendition of, of that song, that beautiful song. What do you guys think? Mm. It just hits you right in the heart. Even make a tough guy like me cry. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I, I, that's We could do a whole podcast on Jennifer Hudson. Maybe we will one day. But um, we'll come back to that a little later and that whole Democratic convention. What a convention, guys. It was, you know, it started off really slow. I remember that first day and I was like, oh, my goodness, this is going to be hard. And um, boy, did it build up steam. And man, how great was it at the end? It was amazing. You know, we we had, uh, you know, I don't want to pick on your friends in the media because I guess now we are media now that we're doing this. But I was I was frustrated. We cut the cord recently. So we, we you know, I've never missed C-SPAN so much in my entire life. Having to try to jump around to make sure I actually got to see everything instead of a bunch of spin that kept coming in the middle of it. Like I wanted to just let them let it go. Just let me consume it for me. And then I'll talk, let you talk to me about what you think it meant. But yeah, I, I, you know, God bless C-SPAN. That's all I got to say about that. <laughs> That's so funny. Uh, well, I do think that uh, John Legend's performance was absolutely magnificent. And uh, Carrie Washington, even with her reciting the preamble, it just made me so emotional. Uh, John awesome. Legend, now he, he was up there with Common, right? Mm-hmm. You didn't even mention him. He was pretty good too, right? Yeah, the glory performance was pretty spectacular. Yeah, so I mean, applauds, applaud to to the to DNC because I'm telling you, at the very beginning, I remember I was texting folks and like, this is gonna be a rough few days. <laughs> and, um, but boy, did they they come on strong at the end. Um, we're gonna spend some time talking about that, given our perspective of, of, of the DNC. Um, boy, there's a lot there. Um, but we have a couple of topics we want to get into um, right now, right off the bat. Um, and the first one is we always need to talk about COVID. We don't have a choice, right, guys? No, we don't sure. have a choice. It is here. Hopefully it's not here to stay, but it feels like it. And, um, you know, we've talked about K-12. We talked about different um, entities I think this week we want to pick on the universities and man, this is painful for me because everybody knows how much I love the university of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, my alma mater, Go Heels. but man, like this ain't basketball. <laughs> <laughs> this ain't basketball, this ain't basketball. And you know, my beloved newspaper, student newspaper, the daily Tar Heel, I think they summed it up best in their headline. This is an absolute clusterfuck. And sorry for those who don't like that term, but I didn't make it up. That's a <laughs> that's a newspaper, guys. That was their headline. That's their headline. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm a little embarrassed because, like, you know, you know how people give it to you. You brag about your university and, and this and that, and, and all of a sudden your university's in the paper and on the TV and on every hour of the hour talking about how stupid the people were. And I didn't I hear anything about Duke. Did Duke have any problems? Oh, sorry. That was, that was a shot. Sorry about that. You mean, you mean puke? You mean puke, right? Puke. Oh. They, should, they, we should, go. they should have let Coach KB in charge of your plan. Maybe it would have gone better. Oh, Jason, you might get written out of the family for that one. You know what I'm saying. Yeah. You know, they, they, they pay a high dollar for that, don't they? 
Wicked Zion. <laughs> you get what you pay for. You get what you pay for. Oh my gosh! But anyway, I was really shocked that they were. Uh, they went back in the classroom. I mean, 130 students in the first week. But you well, know what? I don't even know if I could blame the school. So. So I know you, you're my sister, and we were at UNC for one year at the same time. And you might have been one of those few kids that orientation week, maybe you were like getting ready for class and buying books and doing things. But I was one of those students. I was partying every single night. <laughs> and I know. I know better. The the second I saw that they were going to try to have class, they lasted. It lasted a week, right? Now yeah. you got pictures of kids packing up and going home. You you can't, you know, and 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 we have to take some of the blame as as a, as a larger group because of the fact that everyone kept telling people kids aren't going to get it, younger people aren't going to get it. it, ain't going to be bad if you young and get it. We kept we kept telling the narrative of old people or people with, with uh, underlying conditions are the only people that are going to get hurt by this. That was the narrative that's been out since March. And no one realized that we closed everything down in March. The reason young people weren't getting this is because we locked them down for two months solid before we even let them start creeping back out. And now you, you expect them to come back out and all of a sudden you're shocked because now they're getting sick. I mean, that's, that's on us uh, as much as it is on them. Cause again, you can't just like my little ones, I can't expect them to understand wearing a mask and social distancing the way, you know, I mean, it, we were silly. We, we were just, we fooling ourselves if we think we can just come back normally and nothing, nothing bad is going to happen. You know, a couple of episodes ago, we were picking on Florida and, um, as, as, vet, as we should, as we hey, should, hey, hey. territory. And they still, they, I don't think they've gained a lot of res like respect yet. They're still messing it up. But this time I'm going to pick on my old home state of North Carolina because yeah, UNC is the poster child for messing this up, but East Carolina university, um, NC state. And I know everybody's competitive down there, but this is not the thing to try to win guys. The universities don't need to be competitive about how quickly they can shut down and get people sick. I think it's a travesty. It really is. It really, it, we, we've got a, I mean, Yvette, what, I mean, you, you were down there. I mean, what, all that pride is, 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 is this another pride before the fall? <laughs> <laughs> well, I honestly think that as a parent, um, well, I just think back to when I was going to school and my parents were dropping me off. There's no way in the world Annie Mae and Sam were dropped me off in the middle of a pandemic. So I just kind of wonder about the parents. I mean, why did they send them? I mean, I feel sorry for the parents. I don't know. Right. Like if, if you're a parent, like that's, this is a tough decision. I mean, you've planned for years to get your child into a prestigious university or any university. And now, you know, you don't have much direction coming from anywhere and, and, just keeping them home, that doesn't sound right. That doesn't feel right because they they need to get educated. That's why you work so hard for. And then on the other side, like like taking them doesn't feel like a good option either. 
you know, I think you're right about Gohm, but it, I'm going to push back a little bit because I think as you said very well, you know, there's two kinds of college students. There's college students that are there to uh, learn and, are, and go in and with their nose to the grindstone from, from day one. And there's a lot of college kids who get there and it's a lot about the experience. And, and I don't want to take that experience away from anyone. I, the, the fraternity sorority life, the, whatever those things are that they get in the middle of, those things are great. But by the time you're in college, distance learning shouldn't be that hard because if you, especially your first two years, you're sitting in a, a room full of a thousand other people at, at a bigger university anyway. It's not like you're getting a one-on-one -on -one with your teacher. So what's the real difference of sitting behind a computer screen versus sitting in an auditorium? So I think there's a, there's a little bit of, of again, that, that I, you know, oh, we want this, we want to give people the experience and we want to give them, you know, norm normality. There is nothing normal right now. This is a global pandemic that is killing people. Nothing is normal. So stop trying to be nostalgic because you loved going to school. I was an RA. I get it. I, we were there early bringing people back and putting in a, all the boards up and doing all those fun things. But it's not stop yourselves, folks. Listen to stop trying to do it because it, we've proven it time and time again. People come together. People get sick. So I want to I want to be the bearer of bad news because I know. You know, we also talked about the upcoming football season. Mm. And, and, you know, some conferences have decided not to do it. And other conferences, kind of ironically, the, the conferences where they're having to shut down right now, still think they're going to have football. I mean, I, I'm not a genius, but things aren't looking good, folks. I, I don't see how, and, and, you know, it's all about the money anyway. And so if they can't get 90,000 people in the stadium, is it going to be even worse for the NCAA to bankrupt themselves to have football? I don't know. And I love football. I love sports, but I don't see it happening. What do you guys think? You know, I think the it's uh, you, you say it's about filling stadiums. Let's be honest. Where's the real money come from? Television. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, as long as they have their television market, they don't care if they put people in the seats. I but mean, I, I, yeah, the college, the college um, rate is not like the professional rate, though. So they need some gate. The colleges, universities need gate because now they got to fund all their, they call them Olympic sports, soccer, soccer and swimming and everything. So there, there's we we should give an episode coming up to, to 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 sports and things like that because this is a major problem brewing. And it ain't going to be solved right now. But I want to move on to one other thing. And before we get to the DNC, um, Cannon. You know, this is a sad story. This is, this is about a five-year-old in Wilson, North Carolina. It hit, close home, it hit close to home literally for me when I saw Wilson. I mean, Wilson's a little, little town in, in North Carolina. And it's best known for um, Parker's Barbecue. Boy, they got some good barbecue. And it's the it's not the Texas stuff. It's the vinegar base. That's North Carolina. And um, I, I lived in Goldsboro for a while, which is 15, 20 minutes away. And Greenville's not too far. And this young boy, um, he was he was shot down and killed, just brutally murdered and white. And of course, um, got plenty of national attention, was killed by his next door neighbor who was black. 
and man, the, the stories, the racial, social media, everything that you can imagine is coming out. And we, I just wanted to get your guys, your guys' thoughts on that. And let's talk about that for a second. So for me, you know, it's just really sickening to see what people are posting out there on social media. Everybody's trying to do this comparison thing. Like, well, where are the people protesting for Cannon in the streets? I mean, everybody was all over George Floyd but nothing for Cannon, say his name, say his name. And it just, it sickens me because everything is not um, to be compared. I mean, it's a tragedy, yes, but let's face it, Cannon's murderer is in jail. You got Breonna Taylor's killers out there still. It's just sickening to me. I mean, I, I the way, here's what I really wanna do. I really want to be able to grieve and feel sad for a five-year-old boy. I don't care what color he is. I just want to be—I want to be that parent. I'm—I I put myself in, 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 in their shoes, and I don't care what color he is, man. That's—that's that's a loss of life, and nobody should ever have to bury a baby. A baby. And um, but it does bring up race, and I know. Jason, you have some strong thoughts about this because we talked about this for years. Yeah, you know, again, it, it, the we we have to be able to talk about this without having anyone think that we are not um, acutely aware. We are all parents. We are acutely aware of what that pain that that family is going through. So this is not about minimizing the pain that that family is going through. This is about the reality, though, of how we twist it and how race plays a huge role in how we react to things that go on in our world. My first real experience of like paying attention, I think, uh, we talk about, you know, when I came to Minnesota, everything was, uh, you know, I was paying more attention because I was more in the in the public eye. I was working for, for the public schools now. It was big time. It was, you know, and we had we in back in 2011 you know we we had a summer where kids were getting shot we had little kids getting shot and nobody was talking about it nobody was covering it the media i remember going to stan saying stan what what's going on i mean these are our kids these are the kids we care for as a, as a district and no one cares that they're being shot and he's like dumbass what do you think this is this is reality for what it is and then all of a sudden this kid again talking about a tragedy that not taking away the tragedy, but you get a guy like Jack Jablonski who's playing hockey, one of the more, let's be honest, elite sports or privileged sports. It's a lot of money. White sport. White sport. Yep. White sport. Not, you know, very white sport um, that you, here he is playing and he tragically gets hit and, and paralyzed. And all of a sudden there's the Jack Jablonski fund. There's the Jack Jablonski foundation. There's changes to the rules in the high, high school or in the hockey leagues. There's fundraisers. There's all these feel good stories. I mean, I'm happy for the guy. He, he has made something of his life. He's, he's working for an NHL team. He's doing all kinds of great things now, all these years later, but here we are, he gets hurt playing a sport, a white, very white, very elite sport. And the world has to stop to help him out. We have babies getting shot in their own home and nobody's lifting a finger to talk about it past one little blurb in the paper. Nothing about it. We, we've got to go out there and pick up the pieces and help those families 
as a school district, we were, we were, we were, you know, trying our best to piece this back together and then help kids get back to learning when this is their reality. But you want to stop the world for a kid who's playing hockey. And again, not trying to, not trying to say he deserves, no one deserves pain or tragedy and every tragic moment is, is something we should stop and pause and think about. But We've got to figure out what our where our priorities are because right there it is twisted. And to, to do it to this one, to try to even compare the the injustices that have gone on year after year, decade after decade, to to this one singular tragedy to try to make it about yourself. You know, I mean, the the definition right there of the privilege in that statement of well, now what about us? No, not what about you. Like you said, there's murderers still walking around the street. It's clear what happened to Brianna and they're walking the streets and we want to compare it to this tragedy. I just, so I, um, I hope you didn't say I'm sorry. So, (laughs) so the reason why we named this, um, black coffee with a little sugar, um, I'm hoping people will kind of get it. If you, if you just heard my adopted brother, Jason speak from the heart. Um, man, he gets, you get it in a deep way. And, you know, I, I, I remember that Jack Jablonski story and I'm, I'm trying to remember the name and Jason, maybe if you can re- help me remember a kid that was kidnapped or not kidnapped was Jacob Butterling. That's the, uh, is that you talking about? not kidnapped, yeah. but yeah, he was killed. killed. I don't killed. know. De- de- decades ago, mm-hmm. decades ago. And they still run stories in Minnesota media about him. And I'm like, are you kidding me? There's a kid, there's a black kid in the Minneapolis public schools yesterday, probably, or the day before that was shot and killed. And they do two days on it if we're lucky and they're done. And so I don't want to, I mean, this is a problem with the media. This is a problem with the representation in the newsroom. And I was part of that. And a lot of times there's one person, there's one person of color. If there's two then one of them is a very junior person that has no power. And if this country is going to get better and tell the narrative of everybody, they're going to have to change the makeup of the media at some point. That's a whole different podcast that I can't wait to talk about one day. But this is sickening. This five-year-old kid, you know, I'll take it back to the beginning of this conversation. I want to live in a world, in a country where we can just grieve a five-year-old who was, who was killed and taken away from his mom and, and not have to get into the racial issues. But it's almost impossible in this world we live in right now because of the stories that are coming out and the privilege and the lack of concern and the just the flat-out racism. Yeah. Uh, you know, Yvette, I mean, you got little ones. I mean, talk to us. It's just heartbreaking because when you when you think about it, and you know, I'm looking at a picture of my youngest when he was um, around about five or so. You have no, you can real. It's hard to even put into words um, how you would feel if it were you, but then to have to process. Um, what people are saying all around you, like it, like literally, it has to be um, this com- this comparison. Um, somebody went home without their kid. I mean, somebody has to walk back into a house 
where there was a room with toys in it and they're not going to see their babies. And I think that people forget it, forget about that. And the change, we need change. We need a change. And I think that's where we can start talking about, uh, there's no easy way to transition away from talking about such a tragedy. But I think if we're going to talk about change, there was a really big thing that happened this week that gives me some hope that we can change things. And that was that was a lot of the conversation coming out of the DNC and the convention. And again, uh, we, we talked a little bit in the beginning about how much we did or didn't watch or how it may have started slow for us. And then we jumped in more. Uh, Stan, you're my, you're, you're our, you're our expert, our guru. What are you thinking? Well, I'm a, I'm a political animal behind the scenes. A lot of people don't know that, but you know, I, I purposely decided not to do the political thing, but I enjoy it. And so I really watched, I watched these things and boy, when I first started, I was, I was really nervous about where, we, where they were going to go because it just wasn't resonating. And then bam, it started resonating. Um, you know, with me, it was Michelle, it was Michelle Obama. She, she, she struck a nerve like she always does. She saved the day in my opinion. And, um, boy, what a contrast between what these people were saying and how they were saying it compared to what we have in the white house right now. It's (laughs) almost like, it's almost like an ele- not. E- I don't want to insult elementary students because I think a lot of them are sharp. It's like a baby elementary student that doesn't have any a lot of sense yet talking about policy versus on the other side, people who they have plans, they have experience, they have class, they care talking about these issues. This country is really screwed if people can't figure that out now. I mean... That's not about the DNC. That's just about what's going on. But, you know, the convention, boy, non-conventional, kind of being forced to do stuff like they've never done it before. And I applaud them. What do you think about that, Yvette? So I particularly enjoyed the roll call of the states. I mean, you got to see people in, in, their, in their homes, you know, in different landmarks um, across the country. That really struck me in a particular way. I love the We the People theme. I'm a togetherness person. If you don't know that about me, I love seeing how we can just bring people and thoughts together. You're a kumbaya person? I am the kumbaya <laughs> girl. That is, that's, that's you, why I Wait, wait, wait. This is a serious segment, but I'm your brother. I, I, ain't, I ain't feeling that. Like, is that true? <laughs> well, you know, we people change as they grow and I'm not the same person as I was yesterday or as I was the day before or even when we lived together. So I'm not saying you were a bad person. I just just don't remember this kumbaya. All right. All right. You two break it up. up. Come on now. But anyway, uh, I did love, I loved all the music. Um, John Legend, um, the the song that he, he, he did solo the song that he did with Common. uh, It just really touched me in the heart. And the speeches just made me love Biden. It made me love Harris. Oh my gosh, especially when Kamala's daughter and her niece. Oh my gosh. Mamala. And how they introduced her, it it meant so much to me because they were real people talking about their family. It wasn't some ultra produced thing. It was just like my auntie. It just struck me in the heart because you know I'm an auntie too. 
And I would want my niece and my nephew to to have that much love in their voice when they when they would talk about me. It was it was it was spectacular to me. I'll, I'll let you go, Jason. But I don't. I want to break pull out some names to give credit where credit is due. Elizabeth Warren was typical Elizabeth Warren. She's a great speaker. She was on fire. AOC. I mean, they gave her a minute, but they should have gave her five or ten minutes because she was wonderful too. And so those are two other speakers other than the the headliners. Um, we didn't even mention Barack Obama. Like, isn't that crazy? Like, as as great as he is, and there, there, it was that so so much of a home run that it's taken me this long to bring him up. But he was his typical amazing self too. Um, what do you think, Jason? It's it is it is uh, the themes. I think the themes for me really struck home. I think it was very clear what they were doing. I think the night of Kamala, um, again, you know, I talked about before. My my vision is 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 very focused. I've got three daughters, so the idea of how they were really talking about what this does, how this changes things, how how little girls everywhere can see this, how women everywhere see this. Then you went into the night with Biden where you talked about his history. I, I, it was impressive to me. You know, yeah, that was their job was to reintroduce these folks to us. I mean, that's sort of the sort of what they were supposed to be doing. But it it really did bring home who these people were as humans and not I didn't I don't even remember a plank other than, you know, I think I think Al Gore came on and started talking about all the wonderful things we're going to do for jobs and and the, and the economy and, and the environment. But I think they, it was much more humanizing. And that goes to your point, Stan, about talking about people who can articulate themselves and who can put out uh, a feeling and a passion without having to just insult people or call people nasty or just yell and scream or or, or tweet in all caps. <laughs> you know, it is it was it was powerful to the point of of just you know you cannot you cannot stop thinking about all those other people who were there who who spoke back i mean who 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 joked around about what they learned of these people and how they felt and these people who were rivals who could come back together the, all the all the republicans that they rolled out that, that again should be you know everything you teach everything you see in the media right now is how how much republicans and democrats hate each other but here you are talking about people who could actually get along and actually work together and could stand up on a stage together virtually so it was uh, it was great i mean i yeah i have a lot of i have some close close friends who love bernie sanders and you know I, i've never I've been kind of indifferent. I don't, I don't dislike him, but I don't, I don't like him that much. Um, but, oh my gosh, when, when Cory Booker had ran that panel discussion, we were Dude talking about funny. Jason earlier. He was funny. He was great. Mm -hmm. He was, he was awesome. I saw a different side of him. You know, if maybe if we saw that side sooner, then we might have a different outcome because I didn't know he was that endearing. You know, we just get to see that fire side of him where he's up there angry, but he was awesome in that segment. Um, the other thing I want to mention, um, you know, I, I was watching CNN and you know how the pundits, the critics start trying to break it apart and Republicans were saying, well, they don't have any platform. They didn't talk about any platform. And I'm listening out and you guys can help me. Gabby Gilbert, Gabby Gilbert, she came out. Gilbert, yeah. 
and she talked about gun violence. Well, she didn't mm -hmm. talk about it. She lived <laughs> it. And that exactly. was unreal. Climate change, the pandemic, mm -hmm. the economy, you name it, college, like getting jobs, all that came out. And if the Republicans, if that's the best they can do is say that there's no platform issues, that that's not going to fly this time. What do you guys think? Yeah, I think the, but I said it, I, I, I didn't feel, I didn't hear it or I, I didn't hear it as laid out. I didn't. And, and that's a good thing. I, I'm, I'm applauding them for the fact that nobody, it didn't feel like people were repeating talking points over and over again. It felt like we were hearing the passion from people when, when Gabby Giffords comes out and, and does that whole segment. I mean, yeah, I cried. I'll be honest. I cried. It was, it was powerful to see you did. her, her yeah. journey. I mean, you, you're talking about, standing up to the, to the, to something that needs to be stand stood up to and everything in there, again, though you, you said it, there were platform issues raised the entire time, but it was within the, the concept of the passion of the people who cared about it, not about talking point a talking point B uh, it, the passions there. And, you know, and the performances, like we said, you bet, right. Good, good music always helps. Yeah, good music always does help, but you know, just from all the speeches and and all of the the different segues, it just hit me in the heart. And I guess that's what I keep on saying because you know you could feel the love for the people um, that was just dripping through all of the the commentary. So it you know, was good for me. Yeah, and and then you know Michelle Obama, she just she just methodically just point after point after point. Um, made her case um, that that our current president is just just not up for the job. That was beautifully done, and and you could just list the people off um, doing the same thing. Um, I I think that you know I was really not excited about this format, but it's going to be interesting moving forward because this format really worked and it let average people be a part of the convention for the first time. And so I know that they probably will go back to big arenas one day, but man, I hope they don't ever lose the beauty and what, what happened um, th this week. Cause it, it was absolutely amazing what happened this week. Yeah. You, you, it wrapped up perfectly. And like you said, you know, as, as it has been in, in years past, uh, Michelle really, really said all she needed to say and, and really brought it home. Any thoughts from any rapping thoughts from you, Yvette? So I will have to say that um, the Kamala's uh, nomination uh, hit me in a very special way. Um, I think a lot about um, my father, who was from Trinidad, and how he came to this country. And I, I have have these moments where I'm. I'm just overwhelmed and um, because there's somebody that's just like me. I mean, that 50% West Indian that that my daddy was, well, that, that I am, that from my dad, um, she is. And I'm like, so we're going to, the, we could potentially be going to the White House and I'm just, I'm just overwhelmed. I know my daddy would be so proud. Uh, yeah, I, I I love that you you mentioned that, and 
I wasn't even thinking about that at the time. I mean, I was thinking about how she was delivering such an amazing speech. She's just, just perfect. Um, but, but, you know, you say that I, I do have, I have, I have a friend, I have a couple of friends in my life that remind me all the time that I'm a first generation immigrant. And, and so it's easy sometimes to not think about that, but I have dear people in my life that remind me of that. And, and thank you for doing that, Yvette. Thank you for doing that because it means something. It means something for the fullness of this country that we all come from different places and different backgrounds and, and we can all come together for a DNC that was absolutely a reflection, a real reflection of what this country looks like. That's what, that's what I love the most about it. So there we go. We, we thought, I remember when we first started planning this and like, what are we going to talk about? And we put, the first message on there was, we're going to theme this. What what did we say, Jason, it was going to be? How boring the DNC was. Terribly boring. Boring as hell. Mm -hmm. Terribly boring. And sometimes it's good to be pleasantly surprised. And that's where we're at today. Are you saying you were wrong about something, Stan? And it's on tape. It's on, it's recorded. It is on tape. I, I know that you two people, you dear family members, never see that side of me. But some people every now and then see that. Because <laughs> you're gonna hold it against me forever, guys. That's a good place to wrap. We're gonna um, end this session. Um, this this latest edition of Black Coffee with a little sugar. Thank you again for joining us. Um, if you really enjoyed this, please go back to and go back to the site and like this and share this and share it with other friends and follow us. And um, you know, I'm gonna let Jason kind of wrap us up. Exactly. Everybody must have black coffee with a little sugar to keep them going. Thank you for doing that and take care all. Bye guys. Mm-hmm.